Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of Wisdom of Friends. I'm your host, Cal Ross. And today, I'm really excited to be introducing you to a good friend of mine. Her name is Galina Lapina. Galina was born in Russia and grew up in the outskirts of Moscow, moving to Moscow during her college years. After finishing her master's in computer science in 2006, she followed her dream and moved to the United States, in fact, to Seattle. Having worked in IT as a systems analyst, business analyst, and a project manager for over a decade, she began to wonder if there was more to life than the 9-to-5 job and then finally retiring at age 60. When she finally achieved the goal of becoming a project manager and moving to the U.S., she felt stuck, and for more than a year, she could not define the next goal that would be of any interest or meaning to her. It was painful not to be able to discover it and not knowing what I could do to figure it out, she says. Fast forward a few years. After a lot of workshops, seminars, and books, she found the clarity she was looking for. And in December 2014, she made a commitment to herself to retire and achieve financial freedom within the next two years, having no idea how she would do it at that time. Within the next two years, through saving and investing in real estate and income-producing websites, she finally achieved her goal of creating passive income enough to support her comfortable lifestyle. Friends, this is a fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Galena Lapina. So hello, Galena. Welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. I'm really excited that you took the time to be on this program. And let me start off with my first impressions of you. We first met almost like a couple of years ago at Salsa Contorto, which is one of the very popular dance studios uh, owned by our mutual friend, uh, Vasily. And uh, what stood out for me was just your brilliant instructions with dance. I know you got a passion for dance. And then once I found out more about your story, as to how you've achieved financial freedom and, and, uh, you know, it was really fascinating. And then having you reach out to be on the show was really great because I know, uh, you know, the value you're going to add to our audience and to our listeners is going to be awesome. So I'm so glad that, uh, we're having this conversation. So welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so much pleasure to be here. Awesome. So Galina, one of the ways we uh, kick off our show is by asking our guest a yet a simple and profound question. And that is, you know, what is your favorite quote or philosophy that you live by and how have you applied it to your life? My favorite philosophy is you can achieve anything you're committed to. I think that's my main, main philosophy. Hmm. So tell, say a little more about that. How did that shape your life? Is that something that that you heard about it from somebody else? Or I know there's. Uh, I was checking your blog earlier, and <clears throat> you have this amazing quote about commitment on that. And so tell me about this uh, journey you've been on since uh, really committing to 
any actions that you take? Well, uh, my personal development journey, it started briefly in Russia when I took like one course on emotional intelligence, but I really kicked it up a notch when um, after living here for a couple of years in the States, um, I got to the state where I achieved my goal of moving to U.S. and getting a position of project manager, and I couldn't come up with the next goal that was any exciting for me. And I was on that search for quite a while, probably a year, and I couldn't come up with one. And that bugged the hell out of me because mm-hmm. that's not who I am. I usually am really good at setting goals and achieving goals, and I couldn't come up with the next goal. And that really kind of drove me to discover more things and more ways to approach life. And a friend of mine recommended a transformational uh, uh, workshop in California. It's called WorldWorks. Um, and it was an experiential workshop that is a, about transformation. And transformation is the ability to create your life the way you want inside out. And commitment is something that for the first time, not only I learned, but I experienced within those workshops. Because I really got to see that anything I commit to and commitment in those words means you got to be ready to be and do whatever it takes to create what you say you want. And uh, it was so interestingly to see that when I commit to something 10 out of 10, meaning I'm really like doing everything it takes, the journey is actually way more easy and it's more fast and it's more fun um, and things are working. When you're kind of like half and half, you're kind of committed, but kind of not. You kind of do something because you feel like it and tomorrow you don't feel like it, so you don't do anything. The journey becomes really, really long and very often you don't get to your goal. And in all my life, every time I created a radical change, it actually started with a couple of questions. Um, first, it started with like the same, like what my journey with financial freedom, for example. I read Tim Ferriss' book for our work week a decade ago, right around the time it came out. And it really fired me up to create the freedom lifestyle. But years later, I was checking out my life and I'm like, hmm, I had this dream of freedom lifestyle for so long and yet I haven't created any progress towards it. And there are two questions that I asked myself. One, what is really my level of commitment to creating that? And I realized it wasn't at all commitment. It was a desire, a hope for the future, but it was never something I fully committed to. And then I asked myself a question, well, if I were to be 100% committed, what action would I take right now? And that gave me a lot of answers, and it unfolded into my journey, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. Uh, But those two questions are really every time I changed my life, every time I I almost quit my job, I ended up not quitting. The time that I decided to financially retire in two years, the time that I actually did my final notice um, with the Boeing company, uh, were those two questions. Is how committed am I? Discovering every time if there's no result, there is usually not enough commitment. Uh, and then just asking what action would I take that would that would be in alignment with that and taking that action that create a change in direction. And, you know, looking at the lives of my friends and my family, 99.99%, maybe even 100, when people don't create what they say they want, usually it's because of lack of commitment in my experience. <clears throat> no, I agree. And that's so uh, inspiring that what you shared. And I 
you know, one of the ways that I look at commitment is, you know, when you actually, there is no turning point. Uh, you mm-hmm. burn down your bridges and you make a commitment, you give your word to uh, your cause or your actions you're going to take. And when you're in, te- when you're in integrity with that, what happens mm-hmm. is uh, the universe aligns your commitment. I mean, things start happening that you would have never expected to happen. So I'm really excited then that inspired by what you just shared. And that brings up another question that I'm curious about is, <clears throat> You said uh, you were born in Russia, you came to the U.S., that was your first goal. And so what I'm really curious about, Galina, is like, uh, where did you grow up in Russia and uh, how would you describe your childhood and what did your parents do and uh, and what what were some of the lessons you learned from them like that shaped your life? Mm, thank you for this question. Actually, I wasn't being asked that question very often, so yeah, thank you for that. Um I grew up in Russia in in a little town called Sergei Fasad that's about 60 miles from Moscow. And it's a little town and it is a very spiritual town, well, religious so to speak because the the center of the town is the Trinity and Sergius Lavra that's like a 14th century monastery that is actually the center of the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh to this day. And it's a beautiful place and it brings a lot of tourists, but it is a very relatively small town, maybe like 100,000 people. And um, my dad, he was entrepreneur for most of his life. I mean, when I was about eight, he quit his job at a bank saying he will never work for anybody again. And he started his own business doing computer, um, selling computers, setting up networks, working with, you know, um, companies to, to handle the hardware part of their businesses. And my mom, since she gave birth to my brother and I, I have a twin brother, um, she quit working and she was a housewife, really raising us. And then, you know, my younger brother was born a few years later. And um, my time in Russia, especially growing up, uh, and it's not just my parents, but just overall culture where I was, it was all about survival. And that's, you know, the when we're talking value system is like our value system was not, ooh, what do you want to do when you grow up and what are your dreams? It was, uh-uh, what it is that you got to do so that when you grow up, you can make enough money to feed your family. And that was, you know, if you can buy an apartment and you can have a job that you can support yourself, you succeeded in life. That mm. was, you know, that was the top level of success that you have enough money to pay for your life, to get food on the table. Um, and... And I think there was a moment when I was about mm, 10, 11 years old, I think, that it only came to my memory very recently, actually, about a year ago, um, that I think very much shaped my my personality and my life direction, <laughs> even. Um, and it was a time when, you know, I was a little kid, I did my homework, I've done the dishes, I've done everything, and I told my dad, hey, dad, like, I'm going to go outside and play with my friends. And he's like, no, no, you're not going to go anywhere. I was like, well, why not? I've done my homework. I've done the dishes. Like, why shouldn't I go? No, you're going to stay home. I was like, no, no, no. But like, can you give me a logical reason why I should not be going? Um, and he said, until you live under my roof and I pay for your bills, you're going to do what I say. Hmm. And that conversation, you know how they say like, Every event is neutral is what you make of it is that matters. Mm. That moment, I could have get angry, I could have get pissed off or resentful, but 
I had a completely opposite reaction. I was like, wow. So that means if I want to do what I want to do, I need to move the hell out of here as soon as I can and start making my own money and then I'll have my freedom. Mm. <laughs> and that's what shaped my life. Like the moment I finished high school and I went to college and I, you know, got admitted into the Moscow University. Um, and um, I told my parents, I am moving and I'm going to live in the, you know, student dormitory because I didn't want to live at home. I wanted out. And then as soon as I can find a job and I, you know, in the fourth-ish, four or five year in the college, um, I started working in an IT company. Um, I started making my own money and then, you know, it started my journey. And since then, my whole life was about creating the life of freedom to do what I want to do, where I want to do it. And it really catapulted my, you know, move to the States and um, which actually was very much, you know, catalyzed by desire to get out of the Russian culture. Because I felt like it was too heavy for me. I wanted to fly, and and Russian culture was always bringing me down, and it was so hard. Um, so you know, the moment I had an opportunity to stay here permanently instead of coming for business trips, I did. So yeah, that's 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 my upbringing in no, a nutshell. No, that is great, and thank you for sharing that. And uh, you know, this is like really amazing insights because a lot of our listeners could have similar stories going on in their lives, and you know, these are the moments uh, that show up unexpectedly in our lives when you know we could react either one of the two ways either we end up succumbing to the circumstances and becoming a victim of the situation or we use that as a platform to achieve our biggest dreams and it seems like that's what you did you created an, an empowering context seems like mm-hmm. when that happened to really reshape your life, redefine your life. And I think what I'm hearing is independence. Like you really have to be independent, make your own money and essentially escape the culture that you are part of. And that kind of like uh, triggered uh, your uh, academic achievements, going to Moscow University and then finally, uh, you know, as a catalyst to move into the United States. Uh, that is, that is really incredible. And, uh, what what that brings up a lot of questions too, and one question that I have for you is: Now you mentioned escaping the Russian culture, and for a lot of our listeners who may not have visited Russia or may not have heard of, you know, what life is like uh, when you say Russian culture, can you describe a little bit about that so people get a taste of what it's out there? Yeah, uh, well, briefly, uh, I would describe it. It's for the most of the country, maybe Moscow and St. Petersburg are one exception. But for the rest of the country, it is really about survival. Mm. Like my, my dad and my mom, they grew up way outside of Moscow. And, you know, my dad is from a village. My mom is from an even smaller town back in the Ural Mountains. Um, and people there to this day, like my cousins and my uncles, they can barely find a job that is enough for them to support themselves. Mm. And and it's really not about big dreams and goals and desires and changing the world. It's really, you know, that like Maslow's pyramid of needs, like really survival level. Um, but also what I found it's um, in my experience and, you know, other people obviously can have different, the culture is a little bit cynical and a little bit critical. And, um, you know, when somebody becomes successful and, and wants to go out and go high and change the world, it's not encouraged. It's quite the opposite. Like, remember I told you I went to this, you know, emotional intelligence workshop. When I shared that with my friends that, you know, I, I'm going to this workshop, I really want to understand, like, how our emotions work so I can get a better control of them and, and you know, use them for the benefit of myself and others. 
most of my friends who are actually kind people and good friends, but the words I heard was, why are you going to an emotions workshop? What's wrong with you? Like, are you broken? Like, why do you need this? And, and, and that really kind of was hurting me because I was like, when people want to get in a better physical shape, they go to the gym. They don't ask question, why do you need to the gym? Are you fat? <laughs> because you know you want to be in the best physical shape. You go to a place that can give you that result. But somehow in that time, and right now I know things are changing a little bit in the last decade. Um, uh, but back then, personal development was not at all part of value system. It was not something that encouraged. Um, and yeah, that, that was challenging for me because I was drawn to this. I was interested with that. Um, so, um, and also, you know, I think it's, some countries are like that. In, in Russia, people very often like, get married young, have kids at the end of their college years, and then they get an apartment, they get a job, and they worked in their job till the end of their life. And when I looked at that, you know, thing ahead of me, I was like, that's a boring life. I don't want to live that kind of life. I have no idea what I want instead, but I know I want something different. And I always felt like I didn't fit in the Russian culture. And um, uh, in 2005, I became an analyst in the company I was working for, and they sent me for my first business trip to Seattle. Mm. And, 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 and when I got here and I spent that year, probably spent like five months out of that year in the business trips here in Seattle, and I realized how much lighter I felt here. That you actually have space. It's not just the grind. You wake up, you go to work, you come home and you go to sleep and you wake up and do it again until the weekend. Uh, but here I got off work at like four and I had the rest of the day to myself. And it was so liberating. And, and there's so many opportunities for hobbies and for education and for fun. And, and it was so amazing that, you know, after a few business trips, I realized I much rather live here. So when, when my, you know, people ask me, oh, was it hard to like, you know, adjust to the States? Do you miss Russia? And I honestly can say no <laughs> to both of them. Like I much rather fit here from the first moment I, you know, I got here. And the only thing I miss about Russia is my friends and family. Um, but as far as, you know, the, the country and the places, not so much. No, that yeah. is so great. And uh, it's definitely being an immigrant myself. I mean, I came to the country almost like 20 plus years ago. And uh, wow. and it's it's just been an amazing, uh, you know, uh, cultural, uh, I would say, like, you know, a thrill or a ride, if you will, uh, being in the States. And it's just, uh, yeah, as you said, you know, there's so many, it's a land of opportunities, obviously, and you can pursue, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the heart's desire if you choose to and make time for it. And what I'm curious about, and know that you're also a fabulous dancer, because I personally danced uh, Kazomba and Taraksina with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that's one of your passions. So tell us about how did this interest in dancing began? Was it in Russia? Did you pick it up? Or did you pick it up here? And now is that how you kind of like uh, travel with your dance uh, group? Or what's the story behind that? Yeah, so I love dance. I love dance my whole life. When I was little, I was doing ballet and ballroom. And uh, when I moved to the States, I was doing ballroom, but I quickly got to realize that ballroom in Russia and the States was completely different. In Russia, like in Moscow, people train a few days a week and they compete once a week. And it's like a lot of like intense training. And and every week you can go and you kind of like, you know, compete with others. And here... 
there were no group classes for adults. It was mostly privates. The privates were very expensive. And competitions in Seattle were maybe twice a year. And very often, very soon I was like, why am I spending so much money and have the opportunity to do what I love to do outside of training only once or twice a year? And um, that's when I actually got into salsa dancing. And it was about hmm, probably 12-something years ago that I got into salsa dancing and I was part of a team, then I was part of another team, I was dancing, I was performing. And a few of my friends who were salsa dancers started getting into this kizomba dance. And all of them would talk to me how amazing it is and how I should totally try it out. (laughs) And I looked at it, you know, from the side, you look at kizomba and I was like, it looks pretty boring. I mean, people are just walking together. And, you know, after, you know, flashy salsa dance, I couldn't get what the hype was about. Mm. And and it wasn't until uh, there was a couple that came here from uh, Madrid, Albir and Sarah. And they came to teach a weekend workshop in Kizomba. And my friend Frances, who organized and brought them in, she's like, well, why don't you come for a weekend workshop and really have an experience of it? And I was like, oh, why not? Like, what do I have to lose? Learn from some really cool people and, you know, some professionals. And and I took the classes, and the classes were great. It was like footwork and technique, and, you know, it was it was good to understand the mechanics of it. But it wasn't until the social, when at the end of the workshop, it was, you know, social dancing in, at night. And uh, Albir asked me to dance, and I danced with him. And the feeling that I got when I was dancing was nothing like I've ever experienced before. Mm. It was this amazing heart opening. Just I was just melting and my mind was completely like out of meditative state. There's no thoughts. There's no anything. It's just complete presence and complete connection. And it was like, oh my God, what is this thing? (laughs) (laughs) And that is what hooked me on Kizomba. I was like, oh my God, I want more of this. I want this every day. Where is this thing going? And I started traveling. It was very small back then, like five, six years ago here in the States. So any festival, there was a Kizomba festival in the States, I would fly. I don't care. After I got to all the festivals here, I started flying to Europe. And I got a lot of teacher trainings in, in Lisbon with uh, Petru and Vanessa and then Afro-Latin Connection, which are like really big known instructors uh, who know the, the culture and the history as well as the techniques. Um, and then I started teaching because I moved to Sedona, Arizona for about a year. And I had this full-blown passion for this dance. And I'm living in the small town and people have not even heard of it Mm. and I was like oh shit but like I need to dance I cannot not dance so then means I need to teach somebody so they can dance with me (laughs) (laughs) that's how my teaching career started and um, you know after a while I came back here to Seattle and continued teaching here so yeah that's my Kizomba story (laughs) no it's so great Uh, and it is a beautiful dance and you mentioned Francis I mean that's where I first got exposed to Kizomba at Century Ballroom here in Seattle and it is by uh, you know, it's one of my favorites as well. It's just amazing. Uh, it's so simple mm-hmm. to look at, but just the music and the rhythm of it is just graceful and elegant. No, it's so great. So uh, the other question I have for you, Galina, is uh, <clears throat> when you look back at your life up until now, having moved from Russia to the U.S. and, uh, you know, you've been on a journey since then, what would you say was the breakthrough success moment for you? Like, you know, and what I mean by that is the turning point or, in other words, life was never the same again moment. Was there a moment for you? Or was there a, 
a group of moments that happened there was that one significant event that kind of like you knew that you were on to something there were a few i can't give you one there are a few no moment number one i already shared and that was when i was 10 years old and i decided that i'm going to create a life of freedom hmm. moment number two when i was in college and i started this job at an it company software development company and i set the goal to move to the states that set that whole movement in motion. When I was here and I started getting into personal development, I had a moment when I realized being in a position of somebody like a life coach was the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. So changing direction to refocus on that and getting my life coach training and certification and getting clients and working with people, that was the whole phase in of itself. And it was, of course, the phase when I realized, well, I really want my financial freedom and setting a crazy goal to achieve financial freedom in two years. Um, that was a big moment in time when I made that decision. Because when I made that decision, I had no idea how I'm going to make it happen. But I was like, you know what? Wouldn't it be fun if I'm going to make it happen in two years instead of, you know, 20 something. Um, the moment when I reached that goal, my goal was, you know, six figure passive income. I reached that goal and the moment that I talked to my boss saying I'm leaving, that was like a complete different level in my life. I, I, after that, I was like pinching myself every day. Like, is it real? Am I really retired? Like, I don't have to work ever again in my life if I don't want to. It was, it was a big, big, big change. And then if like same level, if not a bigger change happened about six months later when I realized it's time to me to really focus on things that I'm passionate about, which is figuring out how do I want to change the world? How do I want to help people? And, and getting committed to that. And that's how my turning point company got born. That was a journey too, is to get all those clarities together, working with coaches and mentors and, you know, facing all parts of myself that I had to face. Um, so it was, you know, I would say there are multiple turning points and it was like each phase in my life had a purpose. Mm. There is one purpose to get here. Then it was a purpose to figure out what is meaningful to me. Then there was a purpose to get myself freed up financially so I'm not getting distracted by making money anymore and I really focus on what I'm here to contribute. Um, and now stepping fully into that and going through the journey of like building a business and working with people and just really kind of like taking up to the level that I want. So those are my turning points. Now that's great. That's really inspiring and it's brilliant. And here's something that what I'm also hearing as a subtext through all this is, you know, you have an incredible passion for setting goals. And, uh, you know, it started with uh, your journey back from Russia and being independent, becoming, you know, graduating mm -hmm. and joining an IT company and then like you come here to the US and then you know having this goal of becoming a life coach and financial freedom and then leaving the job and now like you know contributing to the world and and not only that along the way you pursue your passions like dancing and you know and here's something that also I'm hearing from all your share so far is that you not only set goals but you actually make a commitment to learn the requisite skills that you need to really excel at that next phase of your life. Like then what I mean by that is like when you said, 
you know, uh, going to uh, learning dancing. So you went and learned, got all the teacher's training so you could teach effectively. And I know what a great instructor you are. And also, I'm sure your life coaching skills are also absolutely uh, phenomenal because you've been to all these personal development workshops and uh, emotional intelligence workshops. And it's like, and now you're on a journey to really uh, transform the world. And that's so inspiring. So I want to get into that. Mm-hmm. And before I, uh, before I, we talk about the financial freedom trip that you took, I and mean, that is really exciting. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I'm also curious about is having moved to the U.S. and from Russia, and uh, you know, building this new life for yourself. What were some of the setbacks or challenges that you faced? And you know, oftentimes I mean, we have so many successful people on the show. And they've had some devastating or major failures along the way. But one thing that having had a conversation with them that we noticed that they don't view failures as failures. They use that as a stepping stone towards greater successes. So were mm-hmm. there any uh, challenges or uh, setbacks you had on your journey up until now? Absolutely. Absolutely, I did. Um, my first challenge after I moved here was what I shared, like I couldn't set the next goal. And that was so hard. Like you would think it's like, oh, just decide what you want and go for it. But nothing that I could think was was exciting enough for me. Like I didn't want a bigger house or a nicer car. It was just boring to me. So not being able to figure that out, I honestly, I get almost like half depressed after a year of trying to figure it out. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm, I'm not stupid. I'm a pretty smart person. Why can't I figure it out? And I didn't realize that every time, and that's why I love, love, love turning points when people go through major changes is you only get to the next level in your life when whatever you did up until now stops working. Like for you to get to the next level, you need to forget all the stuff that you did before and it will be a completely different skill set and it will be a major growth for you to figure out what's next. But at a time, I had no idea. So I was in a lot of frustration and I, yeah, it took a lot of time of like just turning wheels and not being able to figure things out. Um, and that was that was probably the major one back then. Uh, there was one more kind of setback along the way after I decided to quit my job for the first time <laughs> and my boss told me, no, 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 you, you can't quit. I'm going to, I'm not going to survive without you. And I'm like, well, but I have to quit. I need to pursue my passion for coaching. I need to travel the States. Like I can't be in Seattle anymore. And she told me, it's like, well, what if you can just work from anywhere you want remotely? You can choose however many hours you want to work. Just work those hours, but please don't just leave altogether. And I was like, hmm, (laughs) choose my own hours, work from anywhere. That sounds pretty good. (laughs) That's when I took off and I traveled the States and I settled in Sedona, Arizona for a year. The challenge came at the end of that year. I came back to the States or to Seattle for a couple of weeks to kind of brainstorm with my team. And Boeing had layoffs. And the rule how when they lay off their people, first... They need to lay off all the contractors. And I was a contractor. And my boss told me, he's like, hey, you have two months, but after two months, I can't keep you anymore. So kind of heads up, you'll need to look for a new job. And it was such a, you know, I did not expect that. And it was a time when, you know, in that year, I had a lot of free time. So I was doing a lot of workshops. I did a lot of, a lot of training with a company called Peak Potentials. I hired a mentor, Satyan Raja, for training in another modality, Harmony Integration. I spent a lot of money. And not only I spent a lot of money, I also, uh, instead of spending my own money, 
I thought it would be smart to open up like a 0% credit card that will be 0% for a year so that I can spend on all these trainings. And then within a year, hopefully, you know, learn something, make some money in my business and pay it down. Well, I was really counting on my salary to pay down the cards. And when she said after December, I'm not going to have income, I was like, oh, shit. Mm. I'm in the position where I have credit card debt. I've never been in debt in my life before. Never. And I was like, how did I not predict that? How did I not, you know, have a backup plan? How did I get myself into this hole? So I, I had this very, very stressful time of, um, you know, seeing in front of me that, you know, I tried to find a new job. It wasn't very fast. And I couldn't find it. Actually, I found it like two, three months after this project ended. My boss recommended me to her, her neighboring boss because they had an opening and I came back to the same, pretty much the same team. But those two months were really stressful. But I was like, shit, like, I got, like, oh, am I going to be bankrupt? Like, how am I going to do it? I have no money to pay this credit cards. So I really had to go through the, you know, learning the process of debt settlement and negotiation with banks and find different ways that it's actually not the end of the world if you know, own your monks, you know, money on the credit cards you can actually settle for less than you know the actual balance you can you can you there are ways but at the time i had no idea so it was really really stressful but what really that got me to is i told myself there's like never again in my life i'm going to be in this situation again Mm. (laughs) never in my life i will not have money to pay my bills and i will have enough money to do whatever the hell i want i don't care what it takes and and truth be told i haven't I haven't. And, and, you know, I really committed, you know, about a year later, I really got committed to creating my financial freedom and I got a new job and things worked out. Um, But it really gave me a sense of what happens when you don't track of your finances, like when you don't keep track of your finances. And also it really, really gave me an opportunity to practice my mindset, like the transformational mindset that I developed up until then was everything that happens is for the better. Anything I can commit to, I can make happen, and I really put that to test. So I didn't spiral into, uh, you know, fear and depression or whatever. It was like, okay, great, that's that's some opportunity for some breakthrough right here. Let me figure it out. And and it was a really interesting time, really interesting time. No, wow. No, this is really yeah. inspiring, very inspiring. And I think a uh, couple of uh, things stand out here. One is uh, just that the fact that your commitment to uh, your next phase of your life or your next goal that you set out to achieve and not letting circumstances get the better of you, you know, using that opportunity to learn from it and then also being creative with the situation. And without, you know, oftentimes as we start a business or as we take a risk in our career, you know, like you did with taking a zero percent down credit card for a year I mean that's that's a significant risk and but uh, mm-hmm. you know you were being creative and that's how entrepreneurs and business owners mm-hmm. uh, have to make those kind of tough calls um, and hustle their way to success and I think uh, that's uh, that's something that uh, you did and of course you know there are going to be challenges along the way but you didn't let that stop you and uh, so now I want to kind of get into you uh, the financial freedom goal and because this is the really the juice of uh, you know the conversation I'm sure uh, the audience is going to be uh, really looking forward to listening to and this is you know in your bio you have this that you know going from a corporate professional to retiring and becoming financial free in two years at the age of 33 and it was just common sense and a strong drive to step out of the norm 
So walk us through, break us down the steps you took. Okay, you were there. You said, okay, I'm going to, within a couple of years, I need to be financially free. And right before that, you were in debt. And you said, never again. That was a commitment mm-hmm. you made. Never again will I ever get into the situation again. But in fact, not only get into the situation, but I'm going to be financially free in the next two years. Mm-hmm. So what did you do? What were the steps you took? And how did you go about it? Well, um, where it started with way back before, like a few years prior to that, when I read the 4-Hour Work Week book by Tim Ferriss. And he writes about, you know, this freedom lifestyle and working from anywhere and, you know, have the money coming in somehow. And it really inspired me. And I really felt like for my free spirit, it was a way better fit than working nine to five. And I was, you know, on the journey to figure out, well, what would be my way to create that income? Uh, And after discovering life coaching, I thought that, well, maybe me, you know, starting a coaching business. So I can coach from Skype, from anywhere, and that's how I'm going to make my own money. Uh, And when I was in Sedona, I gave it a shot and I decided to like full-time focus on building a coaching business. And very soon I realized I did not like the dynamic of doing coaching full-time and also relying on coaching for my survival. Because it really brought this energy that I didn't like that, oh, I need to pay my bills. Oh, shit, I need to get a new client. It just like it didn't feel right. And then I was like, oh, shit, okay, I guess coaching is not going to be my way to financial freedom. Like I can do it once such freedom is achieved, but it's not going to be my path to it. But I was like, shit, but I still want my financial freedom. <laughs> and um, when right after, uh, you know, I had this three, two, three months off between the projects, when I came back to Boeing, um, I got hired through another consulting company. And and the difference was very, very big because the previous company I was working through was taking about 50% of my hourly rate as their cut. And this new company was taking less than 10%. So with the same hourly rate from Boeing, my salary almost doubled. Mm. And when I looked at that and I was like, hmm, I don't really that much, I don't need that much money to live. So what happens if I'm going to save this money? And what happens if I find some investment vehicles that can bring me, I don't know, 20% return on investment? That was just a number that kind of popped into my head. Mm. And I plugged this into an Excel spreadsheet, like the amount of my savings, the amount of money I will kind of save every year, um, and, you know, growth from 20% return on investment. And I really realized that, you know, to achieve 100K passive income, I will only need a couple years with the money that I was making and the money I had saved up. So that really what set me out on the journey. And I was like, I need to find where can I invest this money at this rate with this amount and, you know, with low risk and something that I can reliably rely on every month. So that's when I went and I took a lot of courses. I studied real estate, fix and flips, rentals. I was I actually had a pretty good successful experience with renting on Airbnb, which I can tell more in details. Um how I made it that I was living in my house and renting half of the house that was completely separate. And that separate part was paying my mortgage. So I was able to save more money because I didn't need to pay my mortgage every month. Um, I studied, I took courses on stock trading and forex trading and tax liens and tax deeds and um, all those different alternative and not so alternative ways. And some of them I found that were enjoyable to me and something I could do, like real estate. I still do to this day. I enjoy it. Some of them, like stock trading and forex trading, I understood it, but 
I didn't want to do it because it wasn't passive at all. It was a, it, it invested like it, it required a lot of time. Um, and then I, I came to a workshop. It was hosted by the same company, Big Potentials. Um, now they're called Success Resources. And um, they had a workshop. It was like a three-day seminar called Never Work Again. So it was a three-day workshop about financial freedom and different ways to create passive income. And one of the speakers there was a guy um, named Ken Courtright with a company. Their company's called Income Store. And uh, I really like the guy. He's really smart. He's really sharp. He's really like, you know, real, real, just authentic. And he was talking about how their company is making money by producing, uh, by making income producing websites. That they develop sites, that they write content, and they create good content. So a lot of people come to read it. And obviously in IT, you know, when you get a lot of traffic to your website, you can monetize it through advertisement and other ways. And I really like how he was talking about all of this. But I was like, I I like it. I understand it. Computer science makes sense. But I don't want to write my sites. Like, like it's still not passive. And at the last five minutes of his presentation, he said, oh, by the way, you know, part of our company, we, we, you know, if some of you don't want to do it, but they just want to invest money, we provide passive investment opportunities where you give us your cash and we take your money and we go and we purchase a website and we invest our time and grow the website, write content, do SEO optimization, all of that, and then we split the profits. And by the way, we guarantee you a certain minimum return on investment. So even if we screw up, even if the size goes down, we guarantee you a certain minimum. And for the money that I had saved up at a time and for the websites that they had available, their minimum for my first website was 20% return on investment guaranteed in the contract. Oh, 20%, the magic number. (laughs) Yeah, and when I heard this number, I was like, okay, I'm in. I am in. So it took us a couple of weeks to really, I, I, I had to research. I had to understand what are the risks, what's the best case scenario, what's the worst case scenario, how it works, who is responsible for what, kind of like understand how it all works. But intuitively, I knew I'm going to do it. I just needed to do my due diligence. And and within a couple of weeks, I you know wired them 100K and I purchased my first website. And a year later, I saved up more money and a year later, I bought my second website. And a year later, I bought my third website and I reached my magic number of 100K passive income. So that's uh, how I got to that goal. And actually, shortly before I got my third site, I got to a point in my work when I came back from a, you know, a vacation in Russia and I could not work anymore. I couldn't focus anymore. I couldn't produce anymore. Like I knew I was done. And, I was like, and it was like August of what is it, 17, 16, it was August 2016. And in my calculations, I had to stay at work till December (laughs) to make (laughs) enough money to get my, you know, website and everything. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I I am done. I have to go. (laughs) And, and I couldn't, it's like, part of me is like, I knew I was done. And part of me is like, but, but, but how am I going to make enough money to get that third site? And it was just the pure, you know, that whole leap of faith, like, I, need, I knew I had to go. Mm. And when I realized the main reason that was actually holding me there, not so much the money, but I didn't want to like leave my boss hanging because she really relied on me and it was a really tough path and project. And I was like, I, I, I don't want to quit because she's really going to be, you know, struggling. But then I realized that, you know, 
me staying here and not doing my best, it's not helping her either. <laughs> so we had the tough conversation. I told her I need to go. Um, I told her I will stay as long as needed, you know, more than two weeks until they find their replacement. I'll, I'll be supporting them, you know, for more time if needed. Um, and I actually stayed for another month after that actually working from Europe because I had to go for a Kisamba festival. <laughs> and, and, and in October last year, this was, you know, my last chapter. And within that time, between the moment that I told my boss I'm quitting and my last day at work, some opportunities came up with Income Store that they had a website that uh, they really wanted to find somebody for because it was a good opportunity. And they already purchased it, and it was already halfway through the acquisition process. Uh, and they're like, look, if you take this website, instead of you waiting their typical wait time until they take over and search and buy the website, is about five months. And they're like, look, we're already three months through it. So if you get it now, like in two months from now, you're going to start getting your payments. And I was like, isn't that awesome? November will be my first payment, which is right before my goal. My goal, the two-year goal, was coming up in December that year. Mm. And and I actually had to borrow money that I didn't have enough of from a friend to be able to purchase that website. And I paid back that friend in the next three months. And that's how, you know, that whole transition happened. And it was it was quite magical. It was quite on the flow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's really inspiring. And, and it's, uh, you know, again, the few things that stand out is uh, the willingness to take risk, the willingness to explore and learn and see that there are opportunities out there and not get mm -hmm. caught up in a silo and saying, you know, this is my life and this is what it's going to be for the rest of my life. And instead, you seek out opportunities, you seek out uh, goals that inspire you not just set goals that you know just for the sake of setting goals you, you really want something that pulls at the heart strings to set goals and i think that's what you do and if the goal is not meaningful to you you don't set them and uh, mm -hmm. i think that's that's really amazing so stepping back let's say when you look back at the last few years right through this whole financial freedom journey what would you say was the best lesson or insight did you learn from having navigated this path? In other words, uh, you know, if you had to do this process all over again, what would be your some of the smart steps you would take? Hmm. Well, I think I'd probably take the same steps. <laughs> um, maybe with the exception of, you know, maybe I would have better planned for not getting in debt. But I know that even looking at it now, like I wouldn't change it because it really served as a motivation for me. Um, I think like if I were to distill something that I think would be helpful to other people is to figure out what it is that you want. And commit to it even if everybody tells you you're crazy. Because <laughs> when I set that goal to retire in two years, I didn't tell many people about it. But the few I did, everybody says, oh, that's impossible. And I was like, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when I told people I'm looking for returns, 20% that are low risk, reliable, and you know there's no downside, and it's 20% and up, everybody told me. It does not exist. It is too good to be true. You're going to get in some really bad deals. You're going to lose all your money. And inside, I knew, wow, okay, that's your reality, not mine. Thank you for sharing. And I'm going to go and find what I'm looking for. So really, like, when you know what you know and you know what you want, like, it doesn't matter if people agree with it or not. It is a matter if, like, if you believe that it's possible and if you're ready to go and look for it, you can find it. There, and, and, you know, having read, um, you know, recently I read the um, Robert Kiyosaki book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, actually his whole series. 
And he talks about the different mentality of people who are employees versus people who are investors or people who are business owners. And he said there's a complete difference in the belief system, complete difference in how you relate with risk, how you relate with fear, how do you see what's possible and not possible as far as investment goes, and how a lot of people who like have like a poor people mentality, they don't get into assets. They think it's too risky, and then they stay working until they're very old, versus people who have the ability to transform and step into being an investor and business owner, it takes the whole internal transformation with it. And it has challenged you all your beliefs. Okay, you have the belief it's not possible. Is it serving you or not? And if it's not serving you, what would be the other belief that would be more helpful? Mm. And we are like, you know, we're trying to prove our beliefs to be right. So if my belief is, oh, it's not possible, I'm going to find every opportunity to prove it's not. And if I choose to believe it is possible, I will find ways that will be in alignment with that belief. So I think that is to really, the most fun that I found, and that's what I so love about the process of transformation. If you set the goal that you know exactly how to achieve, that's a boring goal and it's way too small. <laughs> like the, the goals, they're really awesome. When you set them, you're super inspired, but you're clueless on what is it going to take. Mm. And the internal transformation process is that you have to reinvent yourself to become the kind of person that can deliver on that goal. Mm. And it takes the change in your belief system. It takes into sometimes learning new skills. It takes and like you taking different actions, It like risking getting out of your comfort zone. But that's the fun in life for me. And that's why, you know, I do what I do with Turning Point and with all my transformational passion is, okay, what it is that you truly desire? Like, can you be honest with that? Even if you don't believe it's possible, like what it is that you want? And and once you figure that out, like set people and opinions aside, like can you commit to it? Because in the process, once you commit, the how will reveal itself. The things you need to do, the kind of risks you need to take, the kind of trainings, the people, all of it starts showing up in the process of achieving the goal, but it is never, never, never visible before you commit. And um, that that is the fun of life, is if you set the goal and it's like, fuck, like, this is big, I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but I want it and I'm committed, that is a guarantee that you're going to figure out all that it takes to get there. No, that is uh, beautiful. And, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, we had uh, Peter Thompson, who is uh, regarded as UK's number one product creator on our show. And mm. he said something amazing, uh, which has stuck with me. Uh, and he said something brilliant, which was, he said, the reason people run into resistance in life or any area of life is because of lack of clarity. Lack of mm -hmm. cl clarity creates resistance. And as you as you rightly pointed out, you know, once you're clear on a goal that is so out there, so far-fetched, that you don't even have a clue as to how to achieve it. I think all kinds of uh, avenues, trainings, the risk-taking belief system, and it all becomes, uh, you know, becomes available to you if you're just mm -hmm. willing to commit to that goal. And I think uh, that's amazing. So tell us about your uh, coaching process. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be interested in finding more, more about your uh, turning point coaching process. So walk us through your coaching process. Uh, what can they expect to get out of it? And, uh, uh, you know, what's the initial, I'm sure there might be some consultation initially and uh, how long does the process last? And give us a little bit of a taste of what the process looks like. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with like why turning point. 
And um, I've done life coaching for right now probably close to six years. And it was on and off and it was working and then it wasn't working. And then I quit for some time, focused on dance, and then I came back. And what I really found is that I can mostly successfully and effectively help people the people that they're ready to change and they want to change and they are ready to commit to what they want. And if people are in this kind of like average stage of like, oh, my life is fine. I just want to feel a little better. I'm not inspired by that. I can't help them. Like, I love helping people that have crazy audacious goal of like, okay, I'm in a job that I don't like. I want to get and create financial freedom in like two to five years. I have no idea how can you help me. Awesome. Or somebody who is like, okay, I'm in a job or a business and I'm feeling stuck, but I really want to do what's passionate for me. And I have no idea what's my purpose is. Can you help me figure out my purpose? And those are the two types of people that are really like working with because they are ready to create a change. And then whoever is ready and as far as they can commit, that is as far as I can support them. If they commit to small things, I can only support them on a very small scale. If they commit to big things, we can co-create what it's, it's needed. And you know how I told you that all these years I was trying to figure out what's my purpose. How am I meant to be doing what I'm meant to be doing? This July of 2016, 17, 17, it all came together for me in a combination of working with mentors and, and doing some uh, business training and consulting with my mentor Stefan uh, and doing, you know, courses on perceptual positioning. I really got to understand how fulfillment works for people, like how to figure out what will fulfill you in the short term and long term. And usually it's on the value system and for every person is unique. So when I work with people, I really help them figure out what fulfills them on the high level. And that's the thread that's going to go through their whole life. And then on the low level, okay, what's the project that you can focus on in the next six months to a year that will be in alignment with that? And what would be the project that you can help a very specific group of people solving a very specific problem that will be so fulfilling for you and is going to be so productive for them that it's going to blow your mind? So when I work with people, it usually starts with an assessment. I call it a turning point assessment that they can take on my website, um, turningpoint.pro. Uh, and it's completely complimentary. You just go in and you kind of check in. Okay, I am ready to create change. What are all the elements that I have to put in place to create that transition to be successful and the most effective? And the assessment kind of helps you understand like where you are and what are the things that you already have covered and what are the things that you need to figure out, whether it is you do it with yourself or you get help um, as a coach or a mentor or whatever. And then usually after people take that assessment, I offer a complimentary consultation where I really get to dive in with them and explore where they are, what do they want, what's holding them back, and can I help them? And me helping them doesn't mean I'm trying to like sell them my coaching. I'm really looking for what will be my best way to serve these people. In some cases, it will be referring them to something else or somebody else or a book or a training. In some cases, it will be offering them to work with me, whether it's in a group setting or in a one-on-one -on -one setting. Um, mostly right now, up until now, I worked with people in a one-on-one -on -one setting in a form of a VIP immersion day. Uh, one of the things that I found when I was doing coaching that I did not like is that it took too long. Because typically when you meet with a life coach, you, you get to talk with them like once a week. And to create any deep you know, transformation, 
attention and any deep awareness is you can't do it in one hour. And if you do it one hour at a time, it takes you months. And, you know, the part of me that's the project manager and looks, likes effectiveness as like, no, 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 no. People who want to create change, they don't want to spend six months trying to figure out what they want to do. Like, let's get together for a day and figure it out. So... Usually that's the format that I found really helpful is to really predefine what is the outcome that people want. Usually it is clarity, clarity about what's next. Sometimes it's some internal processing of all the fears and beliefs that's holding them back um, and realigning that. But really the outcome really is the clarity of the direction and then the strategy on how to start. Um, and that's what we can usually achieve in one day. And then, you know, some people just take and run with it and they apply it and they create their next transition. Some people need kind of like more support to implement things. And then they hire me on retainer. Um, I am about to start also a group coaching program, a group, actually not a coaching, um, a, a, a mix of teaching, training and coaching uh, that is designed to help people kind of really understand what are the freedoms in their life that they need uh, and what are the freedoms in their life that they already have and what's the focus right now. Um, and and then kind of define what's their next destination, whether it's financial freedom or, you know, time freedom or like location freedom. Those are the three typical freedoms that we know from Tim Ferriss times. And there are two other freedoms that my recent mentor, Jesse Elder, shared with me that really resonated with me, became part of my process, is people and purpose. People freedom means, do you have the people in your life that you enjoy? Do you relate with friends that you lift you up and energize you? Do you work with people, whether it's clients or coworkers, that you love working with? Do you have a romantic partner in the, you know, in the, in the state that you enjoy? And if you don't, okay, then you're not fully free in that area. There is more room to grow. Purpose freedom is, do you know what your purpose is and are you living it fully? Are you enjoying the process or are you kind of stuck in giving that contribution or even figuring out what that is for you? And what I realized going through those five freedoms is the first three, time, location, and money, I achieved by creating my financial freedom. And now... The most important is the other two is really stepping into my purpose to helping other people do the same, achieve the freedoms that they, 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 they value and surround myself with new community of friends. They're not corporate people friends, but the people who are entrepreneurs and creating some awesome stuff in the world, um, bringing in the life partner that is ready for the kind of lifestyle I'm looking for and, um, and, and surround myself with ideal clients that I can serve to take them to that next level in their life. Um, and, and that's part of what I teach people is to really understand what do they value, what's important, how big of a goal can you commit yourself to, and how can I support. Um, and, and my group program will be a six-month program for professionals or mostly professionals who really want to take up a notch the freedom in their life whether it's financial we're going to be focusing a lot on financial freedom and what does it take um and all the other freedoms to really diving into discovering your purpose and um and restructuring all the internal parts that relate to it the beliefs the emotions the mental component and how to manage all that in a very successful and workable manner um yeah so for me it is it is an interesting process too because Part of me that's, you know, perfectionist, like I want to get it all perfect the first time around and I want to create a great business and my first course and my first clients be ideal and perfect. And 
I get to learn. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> in, the, in the world of entrepreneurship, you try your best and then you get feedback and then you improve. And the moment I embraced it, it became way, way, way easier <laughs> because I just do my best and I put it out there and I get feedback and the next iteration, I make it better and I make it better and that's how it goes. So, yeah, it will be an exciting journey to see how this will all unfold. And no, that is great. <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. And actually, uh, you know, we'll include all of this, uh, your website information and all that in the show notes. And one thing you did mention about those five things, and I've got a similar process that I've been kind of like tuning into, which is actually I've got a six a freedom mm-hmm. count. One is like, you know, it's the six F's, I call it. It's the faith, mm-hmm. finances, fitness, fun, and freedom. And uh, it's really, uh, you know, having the faith in a higher self or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, the universe or, uh, you know, the financial aspect of it, having the abundance lifestyle that you desire. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the fitness is to, you know, having energy. It's not about just looking good, but it's about having the energy and the stamina and the vitality to continue to follow your purpose. And then, you know, the friendships and the family and the, the community that, you surround yourself with and then having fun having a fun lifestyle like that's mm-hmm. the, and finally uh, the other sixth one that i've recently added is like really freedom uh mm-hmm. you know when you're you could be still making a lot of money and you could be working uh, as an investment banker you could be working as a corporate uh, executive but your time is constrained and you know that balance of life is limited because now you're so focused on work that you don't get enough time to give to your family and relationships. Mm-hmm. So freedom is like, as you said, you know, having those investments in play or having the financial freedom in play that generates that passive income, but not only that, but you are working creatively. There is a creative self-expression to your freedom. That you're mm-hmm. working on the projects that inspires you and allows you to make a difference. And I think uh, that's that's so great that you just reminded me of all of that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and to that, I wanted to add, there is a big difference between financial security and financial freedom. Financial security is when you get enough money for all you can do, but you're still working. Mm-hmm. Financial freedom is that you can stop working and still have enough to support your life. And a lot of people who are even in high paying jobs, they have financial security, they get enough money. But the moment that they stop working, they don't really have income coming in. So they usually have savings that last them X amount of time but it's not going to last them a lifetime. So getting that transition from financial security to financial freedom, it's available and it's really not that hard. And all it takes is learning and financial education and a mindset and a commitment um, and fun. It's so much fun. I mean, it really is fun. I mean, what better goal can you set? Really? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And it's, it's really, you know, life can be in a grand big adventure, uh, as Helen Keller said, day one daring adventure, or it can be like, you know, a life of constraints uh, that self-imposed and limiting beliefs. And uh, so the choice is right in front of us. So, yeah, we'll include all this in our show notes and definitely. So uh, moving on to our next section, this is a rapid fire round. And I know in the interest of time, I'm going to you know run through this real quick. So. In this section, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. It's the first response that comes to mind, Galina. And of course, feel free to elaborate on it. Mm -hmm. So my first question to you is, are you ready? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it on. Okay. So what's your favorite place to travel uh, from all your travels you've done with your dancing Mm -hmm. and uh, all the places you've been around the globe? So what's your favorite place to travel? To dance, definitely Lisbon because Kizomba there is off the charts 
As far as other places, um, my best favorite place actually to live even, um, I lived in Playa del Carmen, Mexico this spring for about four months. Amazing place, amazing place. Very low cost of living, amazing weather, great food, relaxing lifestyle, and it's just the energy of the place is very, very, very amazing. So yeah, Mexico, Playa del Carmen. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. The next one, uh, what books have you gifted or reread over the years? Oh my God, so many. Um, Getting Real by Susan Campbell. Authentic communication, being vulnerable and real, express yourself. The best book, the only book you will need to on the topic to be really, really good at it. Um, feminine and Masculine Energy and Polarity and Sexual Energy, David Data, mm. hands down. Um, financial books, uh, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace DeWattles. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. For sure, those two are really, really, really big. Um, Reality Transurfing by Vadim Zeeland. As far as transformational perspective on life, that's very effective and practical. Mm -hmm. Really, really good books. Yeah. Great. And we'll include all that in the show notes. That's awesome. Well, the next question is, uh, what's your favorite music band? Music. Kizomba. That's easy. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, what color describes you best? Color. Hmm. I'm not very much of a color person, but recently I've been very much gravitated to turquoise. Not quite sure why. Okay. And then the last question within the rapid fire round, and this is if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? Hmm. One message on a billboard. What do you want? Go get it. <laughs> I like that. It's simple and it's uh, inspiring. All right, so that yep. finishes our rapid fire round. And then uh, moving on to the final section, I've got the last three questions for you. And the first one mm-hmm. is What is your current personal or business passion project that you're working on? Or what are you looking forward to in the next six months to a year? Um, definitely my turning point business. So it's consulting coaching for people at a turning point, professionals primarily, but also business owners who reached a certain level of success and they feel like there's more to life, but they need support in figuring out that next level. So my goal for the next, you know, six months to a year is to really grow that and um, get speaking, get on podcasts, create online trainings, work one-on-one with people to really not just I am really, really passionate about personal development, but only in the way that it's practical. So it's not just about feeling better, but it's really changing your life. You want to create a life for freedom? Let's commit and create that. Do you want to create a business that is aligned with your passion and fulfillment? Let's do that. So that, that is my main focus right now is to really serving people who are ready to create that next level. Certain people that want help in getting that effectively, fast, um, smoothly and, you know, getting all the skills that they need and the guidance that they need to, to create that transition, um, and get the support, the mental, emotional transition internally that comes along with the external transitions. Um, so yeah, that's definitely is my number one thing. Um, yeah. Great. And then, uh, the next question is, what are three things you're grateful for in life? Hmm. <sighs> grateful for or appreciate I appreciate oh my god three things I appreciate the time we live in 
that really there are so many opportunities and anything is possible for people who really like venture outside of the typical lifestyle and typical life path. So I'm really, really grateful for that. I am grateful for internet and technology that now you can reach a lot of people. You can really put your message out there and you can help on another side, people on the other side of the planet to create their life changes. Um, Today, I was actually driving from Canada, and I realized I'm really grateful for T-Mobile, my mobile carrier, because <laughs> not only it has, you know, uh, international roaming in Canada and Mexico for free, you get international data anywhere in the world. So when I travel in Europe and in Russia, I can still be connected. You can even get online when you're on the phone on the plane for free. Like all this go-go in-flight, they have an agreement with T-Mobile mm. to provide free internet for T-Mobile customers. So <laughs> I'm just like, I was overwhelmed today with my gratefulness for this company. And it's like, this is so weird. Like they're not paying me for advertisement. And yet I talk to everybody about it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that just for the record, I do have T-Mobile as well. And you're absolutely right. They have the incredible plan in for Canada, you know? Mexico, and the U.S. And you know, I, I, I do want to add the fourth thing, if I, if I may. Absolutely, um, yeah. Mentors. Mm. I am so grateful for the mentors that I worked with throughout the years. You know, WorldWorks trainings, Lisa Kalman, Lynn Sheridan to start with, uh, then Peak Potential trainings and stuff. I worked with Satya and Raja for about a year. Now I'm working with Stefan Stavrakis, Jesse Elder. I'm just, I am so appreciative that there are people out there who create this blend of success, not only fun, financial and mental, uh, monetarily, but success in all areas of your life. And when they guide you to that next level, it doesn't come from the teaching standpoint. It comes from, I live it on my day-to-day life, and it's like transferred through osmosis. And those are the people that I seek, that I train with, that I study, that I hire as mentors, are the ones who have the kind of lifestyle that I have, that that I like. And in in yeah, I don't think I've met people like that before up until, you know, a few years ago. So I'm really, really grateful for them, not only being those kind of people, but them offering, you know, guiding other people who uh, who are on those journeys. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really great. And I want to take a moment here to acknowledge you, Galena. Uh, you know, I know that, uh, you know, having uh, met you like before and, you know, uh, really kind of like senior presence, uh, which is very uh, energetic and inspiring. Uh, but more than that, just that incredible journey, that background that you've had, where all the challenges that people don't see that you've uh, overcome over the last so many years, and this continuous passion for learning and for development and to really make a difference and to be and to create a life that is in a way that leaves a legacy as a role model for all the other younger generation who wants to achieve similar goals. So your life story, you know, is something that is really uh, that people need to hear about. And I'm glad that we had this conversation. And Mm. uh, so thank you for uh, sharing and uh, just your amazing life story and the incredible journey that you're part of. So uh, yeah, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Carl. Thank you so much for having me here. And yeah, I'm so grateful. Like any way that I can inspire people to really connect to their desires, their true unique desires that are not coming from school or society, but their true like deep drive that some people have. And sometimes it takes a while to connect to that voice. But once people discover that, and then I can support them discovering that desires and then give them tools and support and encouragement to go and bring it into reality. Um, 
I truly believe then people, if, if people truly create what they want in life, our world will be a completely different world. So that's kind of my way to make a dent into the universe. <laughs> no, that is great. And one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews, and that is why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Hmm. What I think people should listen to the wisdom of friends is because people are sharing their right true stories. That it's not a theory, it's not, oh, I learned this technique, as people share their journeys and they share what works and what doesn't. And it really brings, you know, the facets of life. Because we're so conditioned, you know, on social media, sometimes when we just see people's success, we only see the good parts. We don't see all the, you know, the breakdowns of them crying in the bathroom moments and all that kind of stuff. And and people become really insecure and people sometimes become too perfectionist about things. And it really is like life is everything. It's positive and the negative and the highs and the lows. And if you can just embrace all of it and just understand that it is all perfect and you get all of this experience for your betterment and your benefit. Um, and everybody who's been up high was always somewhere, sometime very low and everybody has a human experience and we do the best that we can. Um, I think that's why is to really like what I really appreciate, Colin, your questions is to just really, um, Understand all, all facets of life and just to really um, kind of like be very real. And I think that's what was really unique about your show. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really uh, valued our conversation and uh, thank you for your time and candid answers. And for those of us who are listening, with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Rass. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank, Thank you. you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.